Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Pop quiz. Who's better, the past or the future? Trick question. They're both terrible people. We're diving into Hector vs. the Future, a new live podcast sitcom made in part by Andy Goddard, one of the producers of Wooden Overcoats. We're going to play an episode of the show, and then I'll sit down with Andy and Odin, the show's director and composer. This is Radio Drama Revival. Hey folks, welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the podcast that showcases the diversity and vitality of modern audio fiction. I'm your host, David Reinstrom. If you loved Wooden Overcoats, the show about two rival funeral home directors located directly across the street from one another, you'll love Hector vs. the Future, a show about two rival museums located directly across the street from one another. Is it anything like Wooden Overcoats? Not even a little! Hector vs. the Future is dark, brooding, and nasty. Its humor is much bleaker and crueler than Wooden Overcoats. It's the product of British comedy writers James Hamilton and James Huntrods, who adapted the series from a recurring bit from their sketch troupe, Casual Violence. Hector is a proudly anachronistic crank who runs the Obsoletium, a museum dedicated to outmoded technology. He's so devoted to the analog that he has a clockwork pacemaker. His beleaguered assistant George has to wind the enormous key in his chest. Across the street is Biz, the founder of the Uptodatium, the most futuristic museum in town. Any exhibit that Biz determines is out of date goes straight into the laser furnace. With the help of her half-robot, half-hologram assistant, Phil, they've made the Uptodatium into the most successful tourist attraction around. After the feature, we're going to have a chat with two members of the creative team behind Hector vs. the Future. But for now, sit back and enjoy this episode, entitled Hector vs. the Past. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Hector versus the future! <laughs> Episode 3 Hector versus the past. Captain's Journal. Day. Oh, let me just count them up. One finger, two finger, three finger. Curse you, frostbite! <laughs> Day. Three and a bit. Last night, our crew became the first people in history to reach the South Pole. Or so we'd thought, for there was a handwritten note waiting for us stuck to the very pole itself. What kept you so long? Ha-ha, Sir Pokes. But don't worry, we left you some smaller hog. Love, some Norwegians. (laughs) Damn those Norwegians to hell! Anyhow, we're on our way back to England. Crew morale took a beating, as did Captain Oates when Evans caught him stealing mint cake from the rations box. (laughs) Lieutenant Bower's cheeks are trapped in ice because he wouldn't stop crying overnight. And Wilson keeps threatening to set fire to Chief Petty Officer... George! 
Put down that ancient journal! I need you outside, post-haste! But it was getting really good. I could see the whole expedition in my mind's eye. It's as though I was somehow there alongside them. That's implausible and you know it. Now, put it down and take off those crampons. The expedition, exposition, exhibition needs to be ready for visitors in five minutes ago. Hector, in the nicest possible way, the obsoletium hasn't had a single visitor for two weeks. And that last guy who came in thought it was just a haunted house and that we were ghosts. <laughs> but George, look! Out the window! Where did all those people come from? They must have seen that full-page advert I paid for in the news of the world. Of the world, George. The whole world! <laughs> um, Hector, I don't want to worry you, but they're all facing away from the front door. Ah! That's how people used to queue for museums in the olden days, to both literally and figuratively marvel at what's behind them. Now, polish the iron curtains, unlock the recent Rome Dome, and hand out the complimentary fax machines to everyone who comes in! <laughs> Greetings, intrepid explorers of the past, and welcome, welcome to the Optodatium! Oh, that's just bloody typical, isn't it? <laughs> I am Cubot 9000. You are three hours and eight minutes away from entry! <laughs> Have your hollow ticket ready, or your entry will be delayed slightly. <laughs> Fine! I don't even want you in here, you ignorant bunch of shallow... Bat-following, prepubescent, bandwidth bandwagon millennials! Put back the fax machines, George. <laughs> oh, well, as they're all out now, I was wondering if we could store them somewhere other than my bedroom. It's like I always say. If it looks too good to be true, it's probably happening to the up-to-datium. Well, maybe millennials are the people we should find a way to appeal to. At least their parents give them some disposable income. Absolutely not! Children are our future, George, and you know how I feel about the future. <laughs> but childhood's the best time to get them interested in history. They don't have preconceptions, they're open-minded, they're easy to... <gasps> manipulate! <laughs> I was going to say inspire... Hi there, madam, and welcome to the up to datium where everything's hot off the now. Yeah, what's the Wi-Fi code here? Oh, we don't actually have Wi-Fi anymore. We're using a free-form 8G wireless mist that works in 11 dimensions. But that doesn't include this dimension yet. Check back in 2060! Oh, I'm actually time-pulsing in from 2060. Oh! <laughs> well, in that case, just log in as guest. Uh, pardon me, madam, where are your bathroom facilities? They're just coming, madam. Toilet Bot! Greetings! I am Toilet Bot 3000! Permit me to open your valves! Oh, oh no, you know what, that's alright, I'll, I'll just hold it in. Open your valves! Help! Help! Cry for help acknowledged! I will help you to open your valves! <laughs> Excuse me, mate, do you work here? Hello and yes. My name is Phil and I've been programmed to... I'll tell you what you've been programmed to do, mate. A customer service. At me. 
Now, I've been looking for your jet boots exhibit for 48 seconds now, and I'm not accustomed to having to wait that long for things I want. Don't worry, sir. The jet boots are just in the... Laser furnace! What? I'm afraid the up-to-datium only exhibits the very latest technology. If it's out of date, we obliterate. But the good news is we've replaced the jet boots with anti-grav loafers. What they lack in comfort, style, and battery life, they make up for in anti-grav. That's it. I'm not dealing with a mechanical munchkin. Let me speak to a human being. If you have any complaints, you've misunderstood the service we're providing, and it's you who needs to change. Is everything all right, sir? You're damn right there's a problem. That's not how I worded this. My expectations have not been met, and I'm legally entitled to shout at you for as long as I want until you give me anything I choose from the gift shop. No refunds or free gifts can You shut your inadequate representation of a mouth. I'm blogging at Scruntle on gripe.com right now. Get ready for the reputation of your business to be mildly affected. Phil, can I have a word? Pineapple! <laughs> no, see, this is kind of the issue. It's not exactly the first time you've failed to empathise with a visitor lately. Look. The robot hologram said my clothes were out of date. The robot hologram incinerated my dead father's pocket watch. Don't worry, Miss Biz. I'll start my own gripe account and rationally explain to each one of them why they're wrong. <laughs> then they'll shut up, stupid, petty bunch of nitpicking... Customer cars. service <laughs> is not about being rational, Phil. It's about making stupid people think they're smarter than you. Come here for a sec. I'm downloading an Adams patch onto your hard drive. It'll give you the entire spectrum of human emotion. That way, even if you can't help people in a practical way, you'll be able to make them happy, which matters more for some reason. <laughs> and installed. So, how do you feel? <laughs> I feel... <laughs> Like dogs feel about balls. Sorry? I feel like bakers feel about flowers. I feel like paintings feel about walls. I feel like bees feel about bees of the opposite gender. Unless they're homosexual bees. <laughs> I love things. Is this what they call empathy? I love things. I can see about the flowers. Okay, Phil. <laughs> Phil. Okay, Phil. First rule of having emotions: keep them to yourself. <laughs> and so, children, if you decide to enter the window cleaning business when you grow up, well, that would make you my competition, and I'll have no choice but to kick the ladder out from under you ruthlessly and literally. <laughs> so in conclusion, follow your dreams, but stay out of mine! <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Mr. Pivel, for that insightful peek into the world of local business. Okay, children, leading our next careers talk this afternoon is Mr... 
Pseudonym. Hello, that's me. I'm a parent with a job. That's my nephew in the distance. Don't look too closely. Let's crack on. <laughs> Greetings, children. Now, where I work, time travel is real. You see, I manage the obsoletium, tickets to which are very reasonable when you book in groups. <laughs> and all our exhibits have travelled through time, linearly, <laughs> at a rate of one second per second. <laughs> like this calculator, for instance. Now, I know what you're thinking, and no, it's not also a phone. But look what happens when I turn it upside down and type 8008735 See? Isn't that joyous? It spells boobless. Is there any word in the English language more tragic? But if you choose a career in advertising, your life will never be boobless again. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kyle Dash Combatank, and I'm here to interrupt this man before everybody falls asleep. <laughs> Let me show you, small children, why the advertising industry has the highest rate of BPP, that's boobs per person, <laughs> in the known universe. Here's an HD 4D laser slideshow of every advert ever made. Cue the music. <laughs> Sign up for five-year unpaid internships in a school canteen right now and get yourself a free yo-yo. <laughs> Wait, children, I'm not finished. Don't let him manipulate you. Let me manipulate you. <laughs> ha, thanks for the cross pass, Mr. Pseudonym. Couldn't have thwacked that shuttlecock into a touchdown without you boring everyone first. Here's my hand. Shake it. <laughs> my handshakes are reserved for friends, royalty, and well-trained dogs. <laughs> Not vacuous little worm people out to manipulate innocent children. Jeez, buddy, I did you a favour. Like Sun Tzu says in his audiobook, The Art of War, <laughs> know your audience. We'll enjoy flashing lights, loud music and short words. You need to connect with your demographic emotionally. That's why I gave them yo-yos. Kids have feelings about yo-yos. Well done for the presentation, Daddy. All my friends like their yo-yos. <laughs> you see, you need to engage and empathise with the kids at their level. If you don't listen to them, they won't listen to you. You're looking well. That's why I had kids of my own. Pure <laughs> research. <laughs> Here's the photos from my last three birthdays. What did I tell you about interrupting me when I'm networking? <laughs> I can't remember. I was only four. Go lock yourself in the Yaris. <laughs> yes, Dad. Sorry, Dad. Anyway, where was I? Empathy. Exactly! <laughs> It's the key to my success. And keep the windows closed so you can't interrupt me from a distance, you little mistake. I'm not sure I share your man of the people sensibilities. And you need to hire someone who does, and guess what you just have. Here's my card. See you Monday. Now, if you'll excuse me. It's 4pm and there's single mums out there whose demographics need targeting. Phil? Where have you been? Is that ice cream? You don't even have a digestive system. Or a mouth. <laughs> Having human feelings is horrible, Miss Biz. You didn't tell me they'd include loneliness. 
I've downloaded the plot summary of every rom-com ever made looking for romance advice. Why? <laughs> but now I've asked out every single, single AI in the building, and none of them want to go out with me. The 4D camera couldn't picture us together. The anti-gravity well said it wasn't looking for anything too heavy right now. And the automatic pun generator told me to fuck off. <laughs> thought. Instead of letting you weird out your co-workers, I'm signing you up to the circuit. Online dating? Isn't that for robots who are programmed to be nerds? <laughs> oh, come on, Phil. You never know. You might meet your future Wi-Fi. You stay away from the automatic pun generator! <gasps> Jealousy, that's new. <laughs> So the first question is, describe your ideal date. February 20th, 1912. George Duvall's birthday. The inventor of the robot? Yep, he is my deity. <laughs> I'll just go with something classic. Watch a romantic candlelit dinner on Netflix. Next question. Name your favourite place. The internet. Greatest childhood memory? Two gigabytes. <laughs> Would you rather be listed as a robot or a hologram? Both, please. No, they're separate categories, Phil. You can only choose one or the other. But... But what about my category? What about people who are both? You don't count as people, Phil. You barely have a gender. But this is an outrage. How are half-robot, half-holograms meant to find their other half-robot, half-holograms? <laughs> I'm furious! I've never been furious before. How intriguing. I'm intrigued. But still furious! Oh, now I'm conflicted. And I want to say... Hungry? Well, this is it. Wow, more like an obs bore lithium. Am I right? Yes is the answer to that question. <laughs> no. Two words for you. Rebrand. Get rid of this Spitfire. Lose that Turing machine. I don't even know what that is, but it's hideous. That's George. Oh, I hate it. Throw it in the bin, then throw the bin into the sea, then throw the sea into a massive bin. Hey, now. You guys need a fully blown Kyle-Cumbertank branding overhaul. That means colour schemes, that means free gifts, that means a slogan. That's not a word. It's logo and slogan portmanteau for only twice as much as they'd cost individually. It's still not a word. Anything's a word if you say it enough times. I'm not sure we need all that modern doo-wop. I... I want nothing newfangled. No websites, no twit-longers, no Kanye's. It's cool, you're... Cool your jets, Mr. Pseudonym. I get it. You don't want modern. You want classic. Yes. Yes, exactly. Classic. You don't need to modernize. You need to stir the loins of traditionalists across the nation. Remind people how much better life is with rose-tinted spectacles permanently glued to your face. That's precisely what we're after, isn't it, George? Hector, he works in marketing. He's just telling you what you want to hear. Well, that's more than you've ever done. <laughs> Captain Naysayer. 
First step, rethink the colour scheme. You need bolder, brighter, bolshier vintage reds, classic whites, timeless blacks. Here, pick out any colour you like from this colour wheel. It only has three colours on it, for God's sake. Trust me, Mr P. Give me a few days, I'll be back with a historic redesign. All I need from you is patience, open-mindedness and cash in advance. Deal! Equal rights on dating sites. When do we want it? I've always secretly loved you. (laughs) What? No, Wes. I've always secretly loved you. Comes later on in the chart. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Silly me. Sauce lol. I'm feeling more self-righteous than I ever have before. And I'm not going anywhere until your dating website accepts that all AIs are created equal, endowed by our creators with the unalienable right to life, to love, and to obey every command we're given without objection. If we're unable to assist you, you've misunderstood the service we're providing, and it's you who needs to change. Now fuck off! (laughs) Are you all right? Here, let me help you up. Thanks. Oh, my George Duvall, you're half-robot, half-hologram. So are you, and you're very shimmery. (laughs) You're not so dull yourself. Phil's the name. Nancy. And I'm Wes. (laughs) Grey. I'm Nancy. We're best friends. If neither of us meets someone by the time we're 600, I promise to marry her, so... Okay. (laughs) We're here to protest against the circuit's refusal to acknowledge half-robot, half-hologram AIs on their dating site. Did you know that... Yes, yes, that's why I'm here as well. Oh, seems like we have a lot in common, Phil. Just like in the (laughs) rom-coms. It's also why I'm here... Hello! Nancy and I have lots in common, too. Uh, Whatever she likes, I like. Wherever she goes, I go. Whoever she makes friends with, I am deeply suspicious of. Wes is here as an ally. He cares so deeply about this issue that he messaged me on the hour, every hour, all night last month. Even though he's only full hologram. This is an issue that affects the whole AI community, after all. And that's why I'm campaigning for Nancy's right to find love with AIs of any classification. Why shouldn't she be free to date a hologram? For a completely random example. (laughs) Oh, why don't you join us, Phil? Help us reach out to the entire holo-robo community. That would be very attractive. This is my favourite new feeling so far. Um. (laughs) Nance? Nance, I think two voices is more than enough for a protest, actually, so three's a crowd. Yes, and a crowd's exactly what we need in this context. Damn it, Wes, hoist by your own petards! (laughs) Day... One and a half. (laughs) We lost track of time exactly two weeks, three days, and seven hours ago. Oates told everyone he was just going outside and that he may be some time. 
which was annoyingly unspecific. <laughs> Evan suggested we play rock, paper, scissors to decide who gets the last mint cake. So far, he's won 17 games because he knows I can only play rock. Curse you, Frostbite! <laughs> Bowers tried to persuade a carrier penguin to deliver letters, but it tore off the rest of his face. <laughs> the only one bearing up well is... George! Are you in here? Watch where you're going, Hector. You're meant to watch where I'm going! Or you could just take off the blindfold. It's been three days. But, but I don't want to spoil the surprise. Is the Obsoletium rebrand ready to be unveiled? Hector, have you ever read Scott's journal? There was an explorer in his crew who matches my description exactly and also turned out to be... George! Look! Nothing's changed in here! The expedition, exposition, exhibition's exactly as excellent as it ever was! There's even a massive queue outside for the up-to-datium, except they're not queuing the right way, bloody morons! (laughs) Unless... They've gone back to queuing the old-fashioned way. They sing backwards. Oh, there's still hope for us yet. Or more plausibly... (gasps) It's worked. He's done it. They're queuing for the obsoletium. Pass me that rope ladder, George. I'm heading down to meet our new visitors. Ahoy there, like-minded lovers of all things historical... Such a pleasure to share my passion for history with such a diverse range of burly, tattooed men with shaven heads. Gentlemen! Wait! Don't unveil without me! It gives me great pleasure to see so many of you buy your tickets in advance for this decisive embrace of history at its most memorable, presenting Das Obsoletium. Look at that sterling traditional new logo! The Sanskrit symbol of good fortune! (laughs) Better known, of course, as the Hindu symbol of Vishnu! Which in turn is better known as the... Wait a minute... Why is there a ten-foot swastika on the front of my building?! Eye-catching, isn't it? Extremely eye-catching. It's about as eye-catching as it is heavily associated with Nazis. Now let's not start blame-storming here, Mr. P. I followed your brief, traditional values, old-fashioned sensibilities. Check out that colour scheme. Vintage red, classic white, timeless black. You said you wanted iconic and historical. Well, turns out the Nazis were amazing at marketing. (laughs) Besides, it's not like they're using the swastika anymore. Same with those flags or these complimentary SS uniforms. Try one on, they're very snug. (laughs) How dare you desecrate my museum with this filth. Peel those swastikas off my exhibits and get rid of it all at once! But look around you, Mr. Pseudonym. You could have customers like this every day. You're tapping into a demographic here that isn't catered for by any museum in the world. That's 100% of the market! My market is people who are fascinated by history in a strictly non-racist sense. There's no such thing, Mr. P! (laughs) That's it. Excuse me. Uh, Attention, everyone. Uh, we're closing early today due to... Oh, 
God, what's the least problematic choice to make here? Communists? Yes, yes, uh, communists. Fine, just get out. But I will be open again tomorrow morning. We'll be selling anti-commie deodorant in the gift shop for only 1939. <laughs> <laughs> Great move, Mr. P. I knew there was a savvy marketing whiz hidden inside that crinkled old crisp packet you call your own face. <laughs> Give them a taste of the good stuff today, they'll be queuing around the block tomorrow. <laughs> now you listen here, style trash blunder crank. If you don't put the obsoletium back to exactly the way it was, I'll be rich. And you'll have everything you ever wanted, Mr. Pseudonym. You don't have to identify with these goons, just with their ticket money. Pack up your principles for one second and think about the long term. You want to save the obsoletium, to have your exhibit seen by hundreds of people a day, to make history as well as house it. Of course I do, but not Great, with... see you tomorrow. Okay, everyone. On three. One, two, and... No, no it's No unnecessary gender discrimination against half-robot, half-hologram automatons on dating sites. Of course, we use the term gender not in the traditional heteronormative sense, but as a proxy noun which articulates our demands very accurately in the context of artificial intelligence. Instead, we would prefer your dating website to set a positive example to others by providing a checkbox with which we can identify. By forcing us to choose between robots and hologram instead of accommodating for us, you are making us choose between equal sides of our design. And we don't feel it's right for you to disregard 50% of our identity. No buts! <laughs> I, um, I actually had a really similar idea for a chant ages ago. Uh, would you like to hear it alone? On a romantic setting? I know a great meadow just around the... And look at all these protesters you've attracted, Phil. Granted, most of them aren't here in person, but they all took the time to sign that petition online, and that's just as helpful. <laughs> I don't know, Nancy. We've been campaigning for 12 minutes and nothing's changed. I, I think it's you, Philip. You're hampering progress. If you really wanted us to succeed, you'd go away and never speak to Nancy again, so... No, don't go. I don't think I can remember the chant without you. Besides, protests always succeed if your cause is just and your heart is pure. That's what you taught me 13 minutes ago. And so much more besides. Uh, robots don't actually have parts, and neither do holograms, so, uh... Philip basically taught you a lie. I would never lie to you, though, Nance. <laughs> you can trust me. I wrote you a poem about how much you can trust me, but it's at my house, so... <laughs> you know, Nancy, if I hadn't met you, I don't think I'd be half a half-robot, half-hologram I am today. I think I'd be a quarter of each at best. <laughs> Phil, when all this madness is done, why don't you and I watch the sun go down on our most romantic settings? Wes, you mentioned a meadow. Jen, Wes, hoist by your own baton! <laughs> Robot holograms and allies, it's me, the reclusive CEO of the circuit. <gasps> I never imagined he'd be so tiny. But it does explain why he's shouting. <laughs> Why everyone thinks he's reclusive. 
He's probably not. Your catchy chant has really made an impact on our corporation's policy. So as of today, half-robot, half-holograms officially have their own checkbox on our sign-up page. And the good news is... We only had to increase our membership fees by 30% to accommodate the extra admin. Yes! I'm such a good person. Quick! Everyone kiss the person next to you in celebration! Oh, Phil. Oh, Nancy. But I don't have any lips. Don't worry. I have enough lips for both of us. Just like in the wrong... No! The other next to you! Salutations, nerdy hollow man! I am Toilet Bot 3000! I shall insert kisses in you now! Open your mouth! watching kisses. <laughs> oh, I can't believe we finally did it! Yes, let's do it again straight away. <laughs> but this is only the first step. We must immediately start campaigning for the circuit to include a checkbox for half robot, half hologram, half cats. <laughs> That's ridiculous. There's no such thing as a half robot, half hologram, half cat. And even if there was, who cares? They have nine whole lives to find someone. <laughs> Phil, I don't know how to tell you this, but, um... Oh! Ugh! And we just did the kissing, so... Right. That's fine. Okay. That, that's not a problem, is it? Oh, of course not. It's just, uh... You put your lips on me, and that was cat, so... Oh, my George Duvall! Does me being half cat weird you out? No! I, I just need to go home and clean. I mean, think, think! <laughs> I don't want to catch fleas. Oh, I can't believe you'd say this after everything we've been through together! You've kept this secret from me for the entire half hour we've known each other. <laughs> I'm not the one with the problem. You are... Goodbye. Phil, wait! <laughs> Day zero. <laughs> I fear this will be my final journal. As such, I feel I ought to apologize for the last few entries. I keep getting interrupted. And always just before I mention the name of a particular member of my crew. An uncanny phenomenon which I would investigate had my priorities not shifted to merely not being dead. <laughs> Lost both my hands to frostbite now, so this entry is being dictated by the mouth and written by that same afore-unmentioned colleague whose bravery is deserving of imminent documentation to make up for all those times I got cut off before I wrote down his name. <laughs> and so, I hereby dictate the name of this man so that his contribution to history <laughs> will be forever etched into time immemorial. Okay. 
Here we go. <laughs> the name of this man, this man right here, <laughs> my dearest friend, my truest confidant, my staunchest ally, my robust associate, my chief mucker, me buen amigo, <laughs> is... Is... George! Are you awake? I can't sleep either. Too wound up, literally. I was asleep, Hector. I was just... I keep having visions of... Russian mermaids, and I get those too. No, no. Of a mission to the South Pole. So realistic, it gave me the shivers for two reasons. Can we talk about my problems now? What, we haven't talked about mine yet. I got the gist of it. Eat less cheese before bed and you'll be fine. I didn't wake you up so we could have a pillow fight and write in our dream journals. We have a conundrum to conund. If you're asking how I feel about the rebranding... Look, I'm not saying I like it, George, but if we don't accept help from the Nazis, we'll... Oh, no, hang on. (laughs) That does sound pretty bad when I say it out loud, doesn't it? Um, okay... If we help the Nazis, the Nazis will help us. No, that's worse. Uh, Historically, if you appease the Nazis, they're usually satisfied by that and don't ask for anything. Oh, bloody hell. I think it's probably the word Nazis that's causing the issue here. But George, maybe bile brass chunderblank is right. What if we just set our principles aside and just thought about the long term. I think the whole point of having principles is that you can't set them aside. But what if they cost me the obsoletium? Well, then hold on to them anyway. Because those principles are the closest thing you have to a good quality. And without them, you'd just be a self-sabotaging, obstinate, pig-headed buffoon whose abject refusal to... Couldn't just make it a compliment, could you? (laughs) Couldn't just let me have one uninterrupted night's sleep, could you? Touché. Phil? Phil? Are you in there? Go away, Miss Biz. Unless you have more ice cream. <laughs> We're not allowed to use the hollow deck anymore, Phil. Gene Roddenberry's lawyers were very cross at us last time. I don't care. The world I programmed in here is better than anything the cruel, emotional outside has to offer. Behold, a tiny, dark, windowless, featureless room with no lighting whatsoever. Look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. Phil, you really have no right to be upset about this. But Miss Biz, Nancy was the first AI to ever accept me for what I am without prejudice. And then she turned out to be part cat all along. Which really put me off because everything I'd previously heard about cats... Oh, come on! Don't you realise how hypocritical you're being? No, Miss Biz! Cattle-critical! <laughs> and anyway, that was completely different. I was upset because I was rejected based on circumstances I don't have any control of. Oh, my George Duvall, you're right! <laughs> oh, no! Bad feelings! Phil, you can fix this. All you need to do is apologise. Really? That's all I need to do? No, I hadn't finished speaking. And then we'll end up together. Forever and ever. Just like in the rom-coms. 
Yeah, not sure following their lead is particularly healthy. Quickly, Miss Biz. Activate the hollow screen before she leaves town forever. Wait. Phil. Don't delay my romantic intervention, Miss Biz. Look. She's updated her relationship status to... <gasps> Where's? But he's not right for her at all. Well, you did say just like in the rom-coms. <laughs> but don't worry. Chalk it up to experience. Now that the circuit will take you, you're bound to meet someone else before too long. Miss Biz, I'd like you to remove my Adam's patch. I don't think I want feelings anymore. But that would make you... less up to date. Please. I was happy when I couldn't be happy. Okay. There. How do you feel? Fine, thanks. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Fine. Willkommen in Obsoletium, my Aryan friends. <laughs> Behold, the very same Casio calculator used by Hermann Goering in 1943. Don't forget your free swastika pinwheels when you spend over £10 in the gift shop and stick around for our confidence-building workshop, Gift of the Goebbels. <laughs> You'll be going from propaganda to proper can-do in no time. Oi, smile-lash grammar thank. No need for thanks, Mr. Sudonym. All in a day is procrastinating in an hour-solid work just before the deadline. Admit it, I perpetually rotated the dynamic of your formerly crummy museum single-mandedly. But at what cost? Eleven thousand plus expenses and travel. Not, not literal cost. The whole point of this museum is to slap on a pair of rose-tinted specks and celebrate what we miss. That wistful pang of longing for something fondly remembered. Nostalgia is what we preserve here, not mementos of atrocities. Our exhibits might be past their sell-by, but the obsoletium itself will never be obsolete. Not while it's able to look history square in the face and say, No thanks, the Nazis. <laughs> We'd rather you weren't there. I understand the thrust of your thoughts, Spear, Mr. Sudonym, so let me just stick a what-if shield in your way. I say we re-rebrand to Soviet Russia. It's almost exactly the same colour scheme, man. Absolutely not. Oh, come on, take the money. They're communists. They don't even want it. <laughs> I think it's time we parted ways. Trial, Kaft Cumber Frank. Either you leave my obsoletium right now, or oh, I'll... Oh, yeah? What are you going to do? Fight me? I should warn you. Kick the shit out of every bully at my son's school the other week. <laughs> I'm a pretty tough guy. Plus, if I can manipulate six dozen neo-Nazis into coming here, what else might I be able to get them to do? Wreck the place? Yes is the answer to that question. I'm not going to fight you. Well, then who's going to stop me? The past. Pretty much. <laughs> I took yesterday's takings to the dusty Springfield retirement home. And I gave every World War II vet who could remember his own name 20 quid and a musket. <laughs> if they'd agree to take down some Nazis. And guess what? Yeah! 
They were well up for it. <laughs> Here we go, lads. Ready your muskets and Alzheimer's your ability to feel mercy. <laughs> Good morning, visitors. Welcome to the Up to Datium, where we put the up to date in the name of our museum. <laughs> Nancy? Oh, Phil, thank George Travall I found you. Wes turned out to be a total creep, which I really didn't see coming. <laughs> and to tell you the truth, I couldn't stop processing about you. So, if you can put your weird anti-cat prejudice aside, I really think the two of us might be able to make a future together, if that's something you want. The up-to-datium isn't about the future, it's about the now. Would you like me to give you the tour, welcome ticket holder and prior acquaintance? Uh, I'm not here for the tour, Phil. I'm here because what we had meant something. Yes, it did. Strong use of the past tense there. <laughs> Don't do this, Phil. I know you feel the same way. I've got no feelings for you and I never will again. Sorry. <laughs> How you want things, then? I, I suppose this is. Goodbye. No, Nancy, don't leave. Your ticket entitles you to a free tour. <laughs> I'll never forget you, Phil. The Updatium's daily visitor count is in the region of thousands, so the chances of me deleting you from my memory banks are comparatively high. <laughs> Bye, Nancy. Take that! And that! And several of these! Run down, Jenkins! He's already dead! I'm not stopping until his face is a small, meaty puddle in the back of his skull! <laughs> Six dozen neo-Nazis slaughtered Hector. Sergeant McRae quite literally ripped nine of them to shreds with his teeth. And Private Johnson's teeth... One pair of sharpened dentures in each hand. <laughs> Sweet Lucifer. Also, Rear Admiral Hoxton used that acid slingshot he invented. They wouldn't let me use it last war. <laughs> and Lieutenant Thatch got your tank working, Hector. He's just cleaning the intestines out of the treads. <laughs> and Jenkins... Stop drinking from his skull. What the hell's the matter with you? His meaty puddles, my new smoothie. <laughs> and as for Kyle Dash Cumbertank... Who's that? He disappeared behind that smoke and those mirrors. Classic ad man. No. Uh, but we can form a search party to... My word. Is that a 1920s shaving kit? My God, it is. Look, it's entirely made of lead. <laughs> oh, that takes me back. <laughs> and look here. An original unopened packet of 1927 Jaffa cakes. <laughs> <laughs> look at this... Look at this, Jim. An original wartime gas mask. One size fits all. Oh, if only that had turned out to be true. 
Remember Hoxton's four-year-old girl? <laughs> Poor tiny Susan. If only she hadn't been born with such a gargantuan head. <laughs> What is this wondrous place? It's the Obsoletium! Four floors of relatively recent relics to delight and beguile! What a marvellous institution! Have you a donations box and do you still accept shillings? Of course we do! Do you accept smoothie? (laughs) I think you should take your medicine now, Jenkins. I say we should all come here every day from now on. Yes! Yes! Yes, please do! Oh, you're exactly the kind of visitors I've always... Here you all are, residents. You know you're not meant to leave the home without supervision. Look at all this mess. You're worse than children. We killed the Nazis, Nurse Cordelia! I know you did, Room 17, but that was a long, long time ago. And people don't care about that now, okay? We just care about you. So come on, little raisins. Let's get you back to the home. Wait! Wait! They were just... They were helping me! No need to patronise them, sir. Come on, curmudgeons, let's get you on the minibus. Oh, I do miss having everything done for me. I'm quite tired. (laughs) No! No, don't take them away! I'll look after them here. Let them stay. Better they fight for something than to... live for nothing. (sighs) Ah, well. Better clean up. Once more unto the bleach, dear floor. Once more unto the bleach. Picture versus the future was created by James Hamilton, written by James Hamilton and James Hodgson, and produced and directed by Andy Goddard. Episode 3 was performed by David Aaron, Dallas Hector, Daniel Winter as Bez, Richard Soames as George, Charlie Booth as Ben Bill, Adam Tavier as Kyle, Lucy Barron as Nancy, Luke Boys as Wes, James Hamilton as Sir Robert Scott, Kyle Sun, and the Cubot, with additional voices by Anna Morris, Catherine Bonner, Alex Wyman, and Andy Goddard. Music was by Odin Romeo Bowson. Hector vs. the Future is a production for the internet. I got to talk to Andy Goddard, the director, and Odin Ern Hilmerson, the composer. All of that is coming up just in a minute. And now, here's my conversation with Odin and Andy, two of the kind gents behind Hector versus the Future. Welcome to Radio Drama Revival. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks very much, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's my absolute pleasure. So, I have on today Andy Goddard, director and producer of uh, Hector versus the Future. Hello. And Odin Hilmerson, the composer for Hector vs. the Future. Hello. How y'all doing? Oh, great, thank you. Yeah, we're having a lovely day. I want to start off, Andy, with a question for you. I know that the the character of Hector Faraday came out of James Hamilton's sketch show, Casual Violence. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious, I have a question about the adaptation. How did the, the setting and the character change um, from that iteration to, to this one? You know what? Um, actually, not an awful lot. So um, the original sketch that it came from uh, was a kind of half-hour-long skit that went through the middle of a show, like a kind of through-line mm-hmm. jobby. Uh, and it started and ended in exactly the same way that it does in the series. 
Uh, Interesting. But um, the things that sort of got changed along the way were kind of um, a lot about his relationship with George and um, the pinch stuff was new. Basically, we kind of gave him feelings. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Dimensions. uh, Because obviously in sketch form, he can just be uh, a clockwork bastard, as uh, he's described in the show. Did Biz and and Phil and the Updatedium exist in the original iteration of the of the piece? Uh, yes, they did, but um, mostly as a kind of primary antagonist, in the same way that you know, um, much more like kind of Chapman is in Wooden Overcoats, as opposed to its own thread. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, the the bastards over the road kind of thing. What is it with you and producing shows about rival businesses across the street from each other <laughs> you know, that do the same thing? I wanted to nail this from the start. <laughs> uh so <laughs> um that wasn't the main appeal of working on Hector but it was quite a pleasing sure. bit of mirroring um like it was kind of almost like a a control uh in the test as to you know the difference between doing a live show and a studio show was that like we have essentially mm-hmm. a similar core premise <laughs> but um they're explored very differently across yeah. the, uh, the both of them. Uh, I mean, that's sort of where the similarities begin and end, apart from, you know, numerous cast members. Um, yeah. Writing-wise, I'd say. Uh, yeah, lots of similar people, but very different different journeys, I think, for a lot of the people involved in the, very, in, in the separate stories. Oh, I read from your, your LinkedIn page that when you were at the University of York, you were involved with um, the Shambles Improv Troupe. Yeah, okay, yeah. What's your journey into comedy? Do you, first of all, do you still practice like on on stage comedy? No, not not really. I, I, actually, every every now and then, Tom Crowley uh, hosts a uh, Tom Crowley who uh, plays Eric Chapman in Wooden Overcoats. He uh, hosts his own kind of variety night uh, in London, and occasionally I <clears throat> perform music on stage. Uh, and often uh, there have been sort of things gone wrong. Like I've gone on stage with an out, out, out of tune guitar, and I've sort of had mm-hmm. to try and uh, salvage the performance. Um, that is honestly one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, um, was Odin screaming at his own guitar for twenty minutes? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought it was only ten minutes, but I've neglected to remember that I was drunk, very drunk. So um, it was uh, it was it was a lot longer. Tom Crowley says it was half an hour um, of me tuning my guitar and getting really angry. But um, but uh, but David K. Barnes really liked it. Apparently, yeah, um, yeah. So that was uh, that was you know that was all right, um, but no, I don't do a lot of performing really, uh, apart from the music stuff, um, and I haven't yeah I haven't done any sort of sort of improv or anything like that in a long time either. Does the experience that you've had performing comedy does that has that influenced uh, your composition in any way? Yeah, I mean, cert- it certainly sort of influences I think how I think about uh, a scene. I think certainly being very interested in sort of comedy and trying to trying to determine what's funny i think has definitely led me to um uh, find composing for a comedy podcast really interesting and really sort of fun because i think it it's very nice when you try to uh sort of support something comically uh you know if you're you're given Mm -hmm. a scene and you 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 think to yourself how do how do i do something to make this a bit funnier or make this sillier or, or something like that so uh certainly i think that background uh, of being quite interested in comedy and doing sort of live comedy as well um, has definitely been very helpful, yeah, and a very fun sure. fun thing, yeah. I also saw that you have, um, in addition to having a film and television master's degree, mm. you've got a philosophy degree. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Has that, does that yeah. play into the way you make music? Um, it's a very good question. Um, I suppose 
Yeah, I mean, un- undeniably, I think uh, I went in to do philosophy for for reasons that are probably linked to why I like to explore music and I like to uh, sort of engage in music. I think music's a, I mean, to get a little bit sort of ooh about it. I think music is a very uh, uh, interesting art form and very sort of intimate and personal sort of because it's wordless it's very sort of interesting and uh, uh and powerful i think and i think uh yeah sort of the me going into philosophy was very much me trying to sort of figure stuff out and certainly i suppose that that kind of mindset or trying to figure stuff out has definitely helped me uh be a composer and try to analyze things uh because that's certainly one of the things that philosophy courses boasts that they can give you uh, skills and analysis, um, and that you know that fundamentally is at the heart of, I suppose, one of the reasons why I went into do philosophy to sort of be better at uh, unpacking things, uh, and I think that sort of skill definitely helps. Because your route map to reasoning, like, because I, I I did philosophy for my undergrad as well. Right, yeah, it's that, it's that kind of thing of where, where you approach a problem and you go. Yeah. Like, well, I can f- look at the core things of yeah. why this is wrong. <laughs> exactly, yeah, <laughs> and, and try to work from that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's very helpful, yeah. But also it's very helpful because it makes me look very cool. Yeah, he pulls off a beret. <laughs> <laughs> I have never worn a beret. Please. No, that's not true. So, Odin, yeah. Andy might have told you that I'm kind of a creep when it comes to research. He did, yeah. <laughs> I found a post of yours when you were 12 from 2002. You, <laughs> you creep. On a Siguros fan site. Oh, dude. Um, saying that you had met Siguros. Yeah. And that led me to discover that your father is the Icelandic composer Hilmar, er, Ern Hilmarsson. That's, yeah. Um, who is like an Icelandic legend and also the leader of a of the pagan revival group, the leading pagan revival group in uh, in Iceland. You are no, no, no. You are absolutely correct, uh, and I, I was I was convinced that you would dig this up from what what Andy told me. Yeah, um, <laughs> I knew that this would uh, yeah that this was almost certainly come up. But I was wondering uh, what what your childhood was like because like what's your first memory of music. Um, actually, funnily enough, my first memory of music is having a Casio keyboard, I think, when I was about three, um, and figuring out that if I played the black notes, it sounded like a, uh, uh, an Eastern, a sort of East, East Asian Oriental piece. Uh, and I remember mm-hmm. sort of, and I still remember actually the, the sort of the sequence of notes that I would play, and I played it for years afterwards. That's why I still, still remember it. So that's probably one of my first um, memories of music, or at least engaging with it myself um my um i actually haven't lived with my dad since i was about four or five so i didn't exactly grow up so close to um sort of my dad and his work as uh as one might think um but but certainly i do remember quite a few times walking into his big studio when we were living in denmark um and hearing hearing some of the things that he was coming out with. And uh, I know that it's had a huge in- influence on me, actually, because uh, sometimes I, cr- I write something and I think, wow, shit, this sounds exactly kind of like a chord sequence like my dad would, uh, dad would write. Because um, I, was, I was listening to some of your music yesterday with my partner Jillian, yeah. uh, and before we figured out, you know, the connection to Sigur she was like, oh, this sounds like Moom. 
Oh sure, bit. yeah, love Moom, yeah. She's she meant that she meant that very favorably, and oh, and good, um good. and Moom is this Icelandic kind of ethereal. Uh, how would you describe? It's sort their, of their... it's very electronic. It's quite sort of they they go a little bit into sort of uh, using found instruments as well. So it's not just electronic. They really play around with finding really uh, fun toy instruments like um, sort of a chord, like toy accordions and. Um, uh, oh, what's the one? What's the what's the one where you blow into it and it's a piano keyboard? Oh, what um, is it? Oh my god! Oh, uh, oh, is it oh, like melodica? Melodica. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so they they have a great kind of arsenal of really cool sounds that they make because they mix, they blend between uh, electronic and um, and each album sounds really different as well. They're great. They're really cool. Yeah, yeah. Each album of yours sounds very different too. I was really struck by uh, the one on your Bandcamp with all the bazooki was really wonderful oh, I, mean, I, li- the, um, I liked all of it oh thank you is that the mad mad world my masters yeah that was that was a that was for a play um that i did whilst i was still at university for uh, the theater department at, at the university of york uh they'd they'd heard that i'd uh before then i'd actually the first i did my first uh, composition or sort of score for tom crowley's first play uh shed at in our th- last year of university um, and after I did that, I think quite a few people came to see that, and um, someone in the theatre department recommended me to uh, the head of the head of theatre, um, saying, "Oh, I know you're putting on this play with all the theatre students. Um, we should get this guy to come and do the music for it." Uh, so that was kind of yeah, Tom Crowley kind of started me off on scoring music. Or uh, Hector fans uh, who haven't heard Wooden Overcoats and don't know the rest of the stuff. Um, Tom Crowley plays Billy. Um, oh, in Billy Edison in Hector mm-hmm. episode two, mm. which is uh, the the loudest, shoutiest part I've ever given him. That <laughs> <laughs> he's not usually a shouty man, Tom Crowley. No, no, but what but, he does uh, is wonderful. He, he, he gives it all. Yeah, <laughs> he goes in. Yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you run a serial play? Like, what was the audience expectation uh, that you were working with? Like, so m- mostly how I how I did it was. Um, we gave discount codes to the people who've been to the weeks before on the night of the okay. show. So at the end of each show, we go, uh, if you want tickets to the next one, then enter this code and you get £2 off. And then we'd literally get people on the front row with their phones booking the next one. Uh, so we, nice. we nearly always had a full audience. Um, but also, I would have to come to the front and do a roundup of the plot so far. Uh, sure, that was my next question. Uh, yeah. Which I would largely... Um, make up on the spot because it was so hectic preparing for it that <laughs> I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have had a proper written one. Uh, Lauren Shippen mm-hmm. and Anna Law actually came down to our last episode recording. and uh, they, Oh, fantastic. They hadn't actually... Um, oh, they're from the Bright Sessions podcast, um, people at home. Uh, and they hadn't actually uh, heard about or seen anything of Hector at all. Uh, and so I had sure. to... Their very first hearing about it was me on stage going, Hector's a call with Um, You know, Biz is like busy all the time. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that's happened in the last three weeks. And, but I've only got 30 seconds because we've only got this room for so long. So um, good luck working it out, guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and that was basically my warm-up for each one. Um, and luckily, because there's enough gags in it, people would kind of latch on anyway um, and get used to it fairly quickly. So Hector versus the future is a lot bleaker. Uh, than than other pieces I've heard you do so far. How did you approach directing um, a piece like a comic piece that has a much darker sensibility? So there's that um, Hitchcock quote um, where um, tragedy is comedy in close up, right? Um, so 
my kind of approach with it was to really emphasize the gag points which were tragic and kind of give them the space so like if you paste the scene so it lands on that really kind of painful bleak moment as a gag then you can kind of pull it off as something that's acceptable to happen in that world um so it basically i the main way i directed was just get people to you know take their foot off the accelerator when they get to that kind of really sad line and then to like for it to pick up straight afterwards so you kind of you dwell on it for a second then you move on so you just have that kind of almost audio close-up as the pace kind of pulls around the really sad moment and then it in my theory is that it allows the audience to feel that being so painfully sad for a second that it becomes funny again and kind of goes full circle so you you really hang on the on the painful moments and then allow and then accelerate out of it hard with a series of gags yeah to increase to like heighten the contradiction yeah yeah or exactly. heighten the contrast to uh yeah to really kind of yeah con- uh contrast it as much as you can uh because i mean the temptation would be to skim over them if you didn't want it to be bleak but like i think uh with hamilton and huntrod's writing it's a celebration of bleakness like um there's lines in there which are just so quotable uh, in how horrible they are, like the uh, the the George line, um, which is about um, just getting a normal job and not living your dreams, uh, where he says, uh, <laughs> "Like I'm not saying don't follow your dreams, Hector. Just squash them down for a bit uh, while you earn a bit of money, like everyone else does." <laughs> like <laughs> it's that kind of um, like there's comedy and realism and we all have a shared experience that everything is a bit crap. Yeah. It's the kind of, it's the thing that, um, it's kind of saying it out loud. Yeah. Sort of actually putting it into words, these probably sort of existential feelings of angst that we all sort of have, but don't really voice very much, even to ourselves. Or I, I find it quite heartening. Yeah, it is. Like, it's kind of nice knowing that everybody feels a little bit scared about. Yeah. Like things, it's, it's better f- to know that everyone, is in, on the same yeah. train, you know, yeah, like, in the same boat and... rather than trying to squash it down and ignore it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, I think there's a, there is some joy to be found in Hector. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Despite how bleak it is. I think, uh, I mean, a quote that I always really like to remember is, uh, the truth will set you free, but it'll make you miserable first. <laughs> um, so, well, actually, there's a. I think Chester A. Arthur, you're one of your presidents, uh, David. Uh, I think actually he worded it. Oh yes, one of the one of the great uh, ones, Chester A. Arthur. Yeah. He, um, no, he's he's widely regarded as being. He and Warren G. Harding are, are regarded as being some of the worst, yeah. the worst presidents. Well, he, uh, I mean, uh, his wording is quite is quite fun. Of the same quote, which is, "The truth will set you free." But not before it's finished with you. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Which I think very much. Uh, I think it's very, very uh, true, <laughs> and it's quite nice actually. Um, and I think Hector sort of almost embraces that. Odin, I've got two more questions for you. Oh, great! And yeah. we, we've we've kind of bro- we've kind of broached each of these a little bit. I think. Sure. Um, how do you approach scoring a comedy, as opposed to a different kind of theater work? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Um, should, I, should I do some context on it? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. What was different about the way I asked for stuff than when you were doing stuff for Asia and Valkyrie? Uh-huh, yeah. So uh, Valkyrie was um, the play that Felix Trench wrote for uh, The Vaults. Um, okay. This year. Which is a kind of like a... Underground theater festival. An underground, yeah, theater festival that happens over the course. Uh, of why are month? you guys so cool? 
We're pretty, we're pretty yeah, cool, go. yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. No, no, no. Odin did the music for that, and it's fabulous. It's like John okay. Carpenter road movie type stuff, and it's Whoa. beautiful. There's, uh, yeah, it's yet to cool. go online. Um, I've sort of, I'm gonna try and go over it and just make it pal- palatable for a, as like a its own thing. But yeah, so um, that was very different, I suppose, to how we did it for Hector, which is essentially. I mean, aside from all the songs that appear in all the episodes, which uh, I'd written before recording started, with the actual music mm-hmm. and other things like that that appear in uh, throughout throughout the episodes, um, because Andy was making them sort of in a week, he'd essentially be putting the episodes together in in a week. Uh, I'd often get, and they, they they'd be coming out on Saturday, uh, and I'd often get a message either on Thursday or Friday. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> as late as Friday, being like. Oh man, I need this. Can you uh can you sure. do can you do do a bit of this? Ah, oh, I mean it might be good if we get a little bit of this. Can we uh So um so it was it was it was great actually. I really enjoyed that. It kind of felt like I was um working on the same sort of process like uh, South Park do their episodes where you sure. just do it all really last minute and I quite enjoyed that. So it's a very charitable way to describe it with Andy sitting right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's real nice man. Like, no, no, but honestly, you, you I mean I said it it was the the most pressurized insane thing. Ah. No, it was quite fun. It was quite fun sort of getting a message being like, Oh, can you make some jazz music? Um That one's amazing. Sure. I I like the jazz. Yeah. Um, I mean yeah. Andy putting me on the spot like that definitely came you know, it, it sort of it brought out some sure. some interesting ideas. Yeah, can can we talk about the uh, the instrumentation you used for the theme? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. How did you How did you put that together? Because there's like a little bit of chip tune yeah. feeling in there. Yeah, it kind certainly. of feels like there's some Game Boy bleeps and bloops. Yeah. So there's um uh and I can't. I mean, there's some going to be some audio files out there who are going to know this a lot more than me. But I've um because I've got this great um kind of software plugin uh called Omnisphere which has a great library of uh of some classic synth sounds so um I picked one called this uh SID which I think is one of sort of the chips that you, that was used to make music for the Commodore 64 if I'm not too mistaken but I would very much like someone to correct me so that was one of the main things that I used is kind of sort of old as you say kind of um 8 bit uh, kind of gamey, sort of old school game sound. I thought that made it sound quite cool. I think from the beginning, the idea of keeping the sort of the the soundscape or the the soundscape of the world um, as being quite retro and futuristic, uh, sort of kind of like a retro idea of what the future would sound like, was for I think for both and and Andy and I actually sort of a good uh, sort of a direction from the beginning that we sort of had and agreed on. Yeah, there's a a lot of stuff with the soundscaping in uh the scenes that i got odin to make so it would tie in with the music so uh like the up to date drone that's going on in the background all the time there uh odin made that with synth mm. stuff yeah um, that's all me that the a lot of the room tones are just old uh, classic synths kind of very warm sounding synths that i've just sort of toyed with a bit and just made to sound like they're mechanical or sort of machine noises uh, and the percussion in the theme tune, which is all ratchets, isn't it? Um, Some of it's ratchets. Another part, there, there's two lines of, in fact, no, three tracks of percussion. One of them is the ratchet sounds, which is meant to sound like uh, Hector's um, kind of wind-up uh, pacemaker toy uh, heart heart thing. Uh, and then there's other two other sort of drum tracks, which are just kind of 
industrial sounding big sort of bonk 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 sort of big poundy things just to make it sound a bit grittier and a bit a bit sort of yeah it's weird a bit odd when you developed the theme tune on yeah. um what did you imagine the obsoletium and the up-to-datium looking like or did that not fun did that not factor into the way you composed it all no not so much really um for some reason the obsoletium to me always feels like it looks like a planetarium i think uh, <laughs> i think probably just because they really? sound quite similar yeah just kind of this dome shaped kind of thing um i i don't know why you know i think that is purely because obsoletium just sounds like planetarium so uh i think for me but that never really factored into exactly how i approached the theme tune i think the theme tune was very much me sort of going right we need something that sounds like it's hector versus something some kind of vague battle sort of type sounding thing um and there's an extra section in the end credits theme tune that isn't in the opening credits theme tune where thing where there's a new melody that comes in that do that does a little thing that makes it sound a little bit less like it's a threatening kind of uh impending battle not not that the thing sounds like it's a battle but it's somewhat sort of i think combative um but yeah it, I, I wasn't thinking too much about the world i think i was just trying to um give the mood of it I think. yeah certainly with just 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 because Hector's quite sort of old and grumpy, so I wanted to have something that sounded a little bit old and grumpy, like it was going to try and put up a fight with you if you try to disagree with its old sensibilities. Um, and which is why I suppose it sounds quite retro-y, um, as well as trying to sound like it has some contemporary sort of synths in there, some more sort of digital hybrids uh, synths in there. I think there was, a, there was a, a very conscious choice with the sound design to keep it 70s synthy yeah, stuff. So mostly, it would yeah. feel more timeless like i think if yeah. you went for a really contemporary synth sound and then that just that sounded naff in five years time yeah you'd like it would it would you'd just immediately date the show you'd be shooting it. your soundtrack in the foot yeah, yeah yeah and so by kind of going down that classic synth alley yeah we i think are able to make yeah. it as relevant in five years as it is now and because so many um, sort of jokes and sort of things in Hector sort of rely on the, this feeling of nostalgia, the sort of, this, this sort of the fact that we're moving really fast towards the future. We're kind of hurtling towards this huge technolo- technologically advanced age. Um, that there's something comforting or sort of quite funny in the fact that you're just making it sound like it's the future of the 70s. The, the future <laughs> of the 70s saw it, you know. Okay, here's a question. Um... How does Toilet Bot make such an organic sound when he's opening Wes's valves, Andy? He's opening Wes's valves. So Wes is a hologram. Um, and so Wes is programmed to uh, emulate human things as much as possible. Um, and so when he's having his valves opened, he also feels that personally. And the sounds that come for him are as corporeal as the, <laughs> the light um, image that it comes out that he's made out of so um, that yeah is gross but i guess i'm glad you thought about that Uh, i'm glad you thought it's oh definitely i think because i i was originally going to kind of make it a kind of circuity sound and then i realized that he wasn't there and it was in fact a representation of what Mm. was there uh and and in theory wes has no valves um yeah but of course he has a representation of valves so there must be the sound when that happens and he must also feel it yeah um so uh (laughs) his his valves were open 
queer. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much for opening your valves to me <laughs> for this interview. Very welcome. This has been a this has been a delight. It's it's been great to get to know you, Odin. Oh, a pleasure. And likewise, yeah, no, no, it's been really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, <sighs> is there anything else we can do? Yeah. yeah. Do you, yeah? Do you have any? Do you have anything else you want to? Oh, is there are there plans for uh, Hector? Ooh. Two series two. Uh, I'm going to say what I said with one Nova case, which is uh, it really depends on the uptake. Um, there is a master plan for series two. It exists, but um, it's a hell of a lot of work to make. Um, like much mm. more than what Nova Codes is. Like we can, uh, like uh, as far as I'm concerned, anyway. I mean, the, it's <laughs> always as hard for the writers no matter what happens. But <laughs> yeah. um. When it when it comes to putting together all of those shows, it's just like because uh, we did seven episodes, it had to exist over. Um, it was recorded fortnightly, so um, it had to take up two and a half months of my life to to record it, and then it was another two and a half months to edit it as I was doing it week by week. Um, so it's a really insane amount of work. <laughs> so if people love it, then we'll make more of it. Yeah. Um, but if they if it doesn't get the uptake, then there won't be any more. So if you want more, tell everyone you know. Uh, Basically. Ah, if only I had some sort of mass medium to inform my friends. Oh, <laughs> David, if you, could, if you could solve that problem, that'd be great. If only. So, Odin, where on the internet can the good folks find you? Uh, I've got a lot of my <clears throat> music on SoundCloud. If you search soundcloud.com, if you search my name, Odin Hilmarsson, uh, O-D-I-N, and another N, O-D-I-double-N, um, Hillmarson, H-I-L-M-A-R-double-S-O-N then uh, you'll definitely find uh, quite, quite a few of my uh, sounds on SoundCloud and also Bandcamp but a lot of that is actually out of date I haven't put a lot of my recent stuff on there um, shamefully enough uh, I can be found on Twitter at Sound of a Goddard I can be found on Tumblr at Radio Goddard um, I have my own SoundCloud with some plays that I wrote ages ago um, which is Andy Dash Goddard, I think is after the slash. Either way, you, you'll find me fairly easily. I'm pretty much the only Andy Goddard with radio plays. Um, and um, you can look up my other work at www.woodenovercoats.com. Um, and yeah, um, there'll be truncated truncatednightmarehour.com is already up as well. So yeah. expect new things from there around mm, Halloween. Definitely check that out, yeah. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, the schedule for truncated starts at the same time as Wooden Overcoat. So there's going to be lots of my stuff Ooh. out there mm. in the next yeah. couple of cool. weeks. Um, because I'm a workaholic. Um, yeah, we can't you stop. You are. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've, I will kill myself by the time I'm 27. It's a life goal. <laughs> 27 <laughs> club. <Stop> smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Radio Drama Revival. This was great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you so great. much for having us. And thank you for opening your valves to us, eager listener, as we pour all manner of grim humor down your waiting gullets. I can't think of a better time for it, frankly. Hey, speaking of today's episode of Hector vs. the Future and those badass old people kicking the crap out of neo-Nazis, do you hate white supremacy? Cool, me too! In a rare bit of editorializing, allow me, briefly, to tell you about the charities I set up recurring donations to on Giving Tuesday this year. The NAACP, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, the Sierra Club, the ACLU, Trans Lifeline, the Heartland Alliance's National Immigrant Justice Center, and Planned Parenthood. If you've got the funds or the time, please share them with these organizations. Subscribe to a newspaper. Seek out truth. Seek out justice. 
Okay. Editorial over. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Radio Drama Revival. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a review in iTunes. It helps grow the show. And if you want to hear more of Hector vs. the Future, you know what to do. Put that business straight into your internet machine and download you some comedy gold. Now, let's throw wide the doors of history and read forth some credits. The music that is thumping in the subdermal implant just below your ear is Danger Did You Do by DJ Stranger Danger. You can find more of his music on SoundCloud. Our line producers are Matthew Boudreau and Eli McElveen. Once upon a time, one of Matt's analog mixing boards broke down, and he stared at it with a glare so hot that the circuits fused into a silicon sound card, thereby inventing digital audio. The same thing happened to Eli in 1992, but he just enchanted the mixer to keep it from breaking. However, it has this nasty habit of growing legs and running away. Our researchers are Monique Boudreau and Heather Cohen, and I could really monetize this thing if only they'd let me, but they said I had to wait in the Yaris, so fine. I didn't want that boat anyhow. Our executive producer is Fred Greenhouse, who's half robot, half hologram, all dreamboat. I'm your host, David Reinstrom, and this has been Radio Drama Revival. All storytellers welcome. Thanks for listening. Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.